As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. It is after hours at the Hall of Presidents. No people are in sight. President George Washington removes his dentures, relieving him slightly from the pain that they cause. Slinking down into a nearby chair, Washington considers how he will spend the rest of his night. It is then that an imposing figure looms over him. A palm reaches out and swats the false teeth from his hand. Washington immediately leaps to his feet and is standing toe-to-toe with Abraham Lincoln, snarling back at him. I'm tired of people calling you the father of our country. You didn't even have any kids of your own. A bellows? It's time we settle this. Once and for all, Lincoln, I'm weary of your face. The two presidents square off, and the White House is about to turn red. It's the American Cincinnatus versus the Great Emancipator. It's General George versus Honest Abe. It's Abraham Lincoln versus George Washington today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stacanus. You know, Ray, today's matchup is important for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, it's because it's election time. And number two, what many people don't know is that this exact matchup, the one we're going over today, was actually the matchup, the battle... That started it all. Would you like to explain this to everybody? I could absolutely explain this to everybody. Hi, hi, kids at home. This <clears> is Ray, uh, your hero. 
Uh, hashtag awkward allies. I'm looking at you. What started with this is when I originally was going to be brought on to uh, or approached to do the show. Uh, we had a face to face encounter with a, with a producer. And we were put on the spot without any preparation whatsoever. The producer said, hey, I want to see a sample battle between you two to see kind of how you gel, how you work. And the battle that was come up with in the moment was Abraham Lincoln versus George Washington. I had George Washington. You had Abraham Lincoln. And we just did two full rounds of full, uh, two full rounds with rebuttals uh, before the judge finally said or the, the producer finally said, OK, guys, I think we've seen enough. We we see the potential here. And I thought that was absolutely great. So this is a chance. Not this is historical, not just American historical. Who would win historical? How about that? You know, I remember that day very well, uh, meeting you for the first time. And of course, you want to make sure that you know a, a co-host is really going to be stepping up to the plate. I mean, we moved the whole production to L.A. This was like a you know we're we're kind of launching the show in a big way, and it was at what was the restaurant called? Uh, Ray? It was the Habit Burger in Woodland Hills, California. A, a masterful free, free plug. Amazing, amazing place. So I don't know if you remember, we're sitting there with the producer and we're like, we're put on the spot. You came up with a point. I countered. I came up with my point. Do you remember how many people started listening in to our debate? There were at least five tables listening in to us from all around the entire. And we were trying to set ourselves up in the corner away from everybody. But people were just like into it and having a good time. And that's when I was like, you know, this is a thing I think could happen. It was it was really cool. Uh, I had an immediate, you know, kind of adversarial feeling towards you, which I thought was perfect. But I could tell that you had that fire. You know, all joking aside, I couldn't have asked for a better, uh, you know, co-host or you know, co-main event type of person to be on the show. Um, we, but the problem is, you know, Ray. Something's been bugging me ever since that battle. We never finished it. So when we start talking we about what show should we do, you know, for this kind of crazy time we're living through right now, and the production team said, well, there's this matchup that never got resolved. How fast did you and I jump on this opportunity? <laughs> they didn't even finish the sentence before I was like, in. Uh, I would love to do that immediately. Uh, I'm here for it. I'm ready for it. Let's do it. I'm excited for it. You know, again, you, you we do the Google test, right, where you type in, you know, this character versus this character, and I kind of see how many people have talked about. Hopefully, no one has. Unfortunately, everyone's talked about this matchup, has, but I yeah. don't think people have ever done it the way you and I will do it in terms of our approach. I so guarantee speaking, it. you know, when you have a matchup like this, look, we've got access to amazing actors and what have you, but you've got to bring on, uh, or in talent, I should say, you've got to bring on someone who's not only an amazing actor, who's not only super talented, but knows Ray and I and knows how to kind of keep us under control and has a proven track record of being on the Who Would Win show uh, in such a way where they give really great judgments, where Ray and I, at the end of the day, were like, okay, I can see their logic and we're good with it. So we had no choice. We had to bring this person back on. Making another appearance on the Who Would Win show, you know him from his many appearances on the show called The Middle and on Jimmy Kimmel. And of course, I kind of think he should have been on Saturday Night Live for 10 years because he's that awesome. Uh, you can now see him back in Rochester, New York. It's the one, it's the only, it's Tommy Bechtold. Tommy, thank you for coming back onto the Who Would Win show. It's great to be back. I uh, I love being here, uh, listening to these compelling arguments and making fair and correct decisions uh, with my friends. So it's a pleasure to be here. You know, Tommy, you've been a fan favorite as a judge for Who Would Win for quite some time. What do you think, you know, you bring to the show that is so different from other judges? 
Well, you know, for me, it's a uh, complete fear of conflict. It's, uh, as I've said on the show before, growing up in a tumultuous house with uh, fighting parents has made me shy away from two people who raise their voices, particularly adults. So sitting in the pocket and listening to two men argue with one another in a civil way is, is not only cathartic, it also helps me grow as a person. So I take that opportunity and I and I build on it and I better myself. And I think, what does the audience need from me now that I'm getting from these two gentlemen? And I, and, and I use that. I use it all to create a, 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 what I like to think is a thoughtful opinion. And again, it is just an opinion, but it is final and it is correct. Right, right. When was the last time someone called you a gentleman? Oh, it happens on the reg. Uh, look, I make everyone around me call me a gentleman because that's yeah. truly what I am, a distinguished gentleman. Mm. Now, now, Tommy, you're you're mm. back in Rochester, uh, yes. you know, from, via L.A. Um, yes. What's going on in Rochester these days? Why are you deciding to grace Rochester with your presence? You know, I always say follow the action. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, well, things are a little uh, topsy turvy. I am able to record all of my auditions, you know, on on a camera and send them in, and just as uh, just as easily as I would uh, in L.A. So I'm taking this time before I I think the country is going to come roaring back in the winter and spring. I'm hoping. I'm optimistic. So I uh, I'm taking this time to spend time with my family, and uh, you know, the reality is when you are trying to grind it out as a day player. Actor, you have to be available all the time in LA. So I, it's never going to be like this again. And this is certainly, we've been handed lemons. So this is my attempt to make lemonade out of it and spend some time with my family. So that's my, uh, that's my uh, not funny answer. <laughs> you know, that's that, it, a good answer, by the way. Spending time with your family is always a great thing. Tommy, by the way, this is normally where I slip an envelope to someone if we were in studio together or I have mm. an envelope of, of yes. money around. Is that why my Venmo house. just lit up? Oh, wait. Yes. Very yeah, I'm, generous. I'm actually Tommy. reversing Venmoing money from your account. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so I was the request. But real quick, before we go any further, Tommy, you can tell the truth to these people. The reason mm. you're actually in Rochester, New York right now is because the yeah. Buffalo Bills are actually good this season. That's right. And they, they might need me at a, at, you know, to work security at a game or something, even though we can't have fans. Maybe I could, I could show up. Maybe I could be Billy the Buffalo. What easier is, way to sneak on the field as a mascot? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I see you as a quarterback. Yeah. I, I see you as the quarterback the Bills need. It's uh, it could be. You know, I am a scrambler for sure. Yeah. I am. Uh, I am. I would, uh, now, before I was so really interrupted by Ray, I was going to say, you know, instead of bribing you right now, I want to mm. reverse bribe you, which is me, which means you send me something. Can you oh. send me some ice cream from Carvel, like Carvel's ice cream? Yes. I got. I mean, we first got to get some this. dry ice. Yes, no problem. That's a you problem, but yeah, just send yeah. it my way, and uh, that'd it. be great. Thank you. No problem. Cool. It's, it's in the uh, mail. All right. Now, Tommy, do you have any questions about these two characters, uh, you know, two historical figures, really, really, that we'll be debating today? Any any confusion on your part? Is there anything we can clarify before we get started? Uh, should I take uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's audio uh, performance of Abraham Lincoln as his as the the accepted voice of Lincoln in this debate? Like, will he be doing that now, now, now voice to uh, George Washington when they're commencing the fighting. Should I be picturing Day-Lewis Lincoln or just uh, I'm trying to get in the headspace for this? Uh, yes, to the, all mm, the yeah. above. Great. The answer and, is always milkshake guy. Tommy, look, we are super excited to have you here, but really it's about that time. Ray, mm. please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing American history. 
the president who had trouble sleeping because he didn't know how to lie, George Washington. And also representing American history, the president who tarnished the South worse than country music ever could, Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Take that most popular form of music in the United States. Mm. <laughs> You're damn Way to make friends, Ray. Um, now, before we go any further, let's go over the new and improved official rules of a Who Would Win match. Now, rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Now, rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Uh, Ray, I'm just going to speak on, I, I think we already talked about this, we're using the historical figures George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, I think we're good to go. Historical uh, George Washington for me, James. Fair enough. I'll do the same thing with Abraham Lincoln. Rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons for historical figures that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, uh, okay, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. And rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. Now, feel free to check out the official rules on our website, whowouldwinshow.com. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
And now let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Today's tale of the tape is brought to you, as always, the official Who Would Win store. Get your official Who Would Win t-shirts, mugs, and merchandise by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. Ray, please give us the details on George Washington. George Washington was an American general turned first president of the United States. He was born in 1732 and died in December of 1799. Just missed it. Washington originally fought under the British, but come the Revolutionary War, he took control of his army and took it to the British forces in victory after victory, eventually capturing General Cornwallis at Yorktown and effectively ending the war with victory. After leading the effort to build the American government as the transition team leader, Washington was named first president and served two terms until deciding that he was done and not seeking a third one. Fun fact, we know about Washington's successes during the Revolutionary War, but did you know that an early failure of his led to a global conflict? Yes, early in his career as a general, Washington led an attack on the French in the Ohio Valley. A French nobleman was killed in this skirmish, and the event became the match that lit the fuse of the French and Indian War, which later escalated globally as the Seven Years' War. Oopsie! He later learned uh, who not to kill at a certain point in the you know, future, though. So he got some better results as he went along. That is George Washington. We all make mistakes, Ray. Oopsies. We all make mistakes. Uh, here are the details for Abraham Lincoln. Now, Lincoln first appeared on February 12, 1809, and was created by his parents, Nancy and Thomas Lincoln, <laughs> in a one-room log cabin in Hardin County, Kentucky. I'm trying to make him sound very comic bookish. Lincoln's youth was rough, with his former schooling limited to three brief periods in local schools, as he had to work constantly to support his family. His lack of education didn't stop him, though, as he taught himself law and passed the bar examination in 1836. After a career as a lawyer, Abraham Lincoln was elected 16th president of the United States in November 1860, shortly before the outbreak of the Civil War. Lincoln proved to be a shrewd military strategist and a savvy leader. His Emancipation Proclamation paved the way for slavery's abolition, while his Gettysburg Address stands as one of the most famous pieces of oratory in American history. In April 1865, with the Union on the brink of victory, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated by Confederate sympathizer John Wilkes Booth. Now, Lincoln's assassination, however, made him a martyr to the cause of liberty, and he is widely regarded as one of the greatest presidents in U.S. history. And here's an interesting fact about Abraham Lincoln. Did you know that he personally test-fired guns outside the White House? It's true. Lincoln was a hands-on commander-in-chief who, given his passion for gadgetry, was keenly interested in the artillery used by his Union troops during the Civil War. Lincoln attended artillery and cannon tests and met at the White House with inventors demonstrating military prototypes. Although there was a standing order against firing weapons in the District of Columbia, Lincoln even test-fired muskets and repeating rifles on the grassy expanses around the White House, now known as the Ellipse and the National Mall. And now you have the facts in both opponents. Tommy, do you have any questions? questions before we get started oh no i am very excited i love u.s history i love the uh the uh the uh wealth of knowledge that is about to be poured upon me i am but a meager baked potatoes cheese sauce me boys i just um, can't believe that i'm just now picturing abraham lincoln as tony stark from that first iron man movie just yeah. blowing up the hillside around him from yeah. the white house lawn yes, and i yes. love it i don't ever want that image to go away 
I was yes. actually, it's cool you said that. I was actually picturing more as a, as a Batman Bruce Wayne type with like gadgetry mm. and things and explode, you know, they both mm. work, by the way, both work. All right, yes. Ray, this is going to be an insanely fun battle. Uh, we couldn't be picking a better time to do it. Please go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for George Washington. I want to talk a little bit about the fact that he was a general in the army. Now, one of these people, one of these human beings in this particular fight uh, was an army man who got full training under the British soldiers and then later went on to train men of his own, much like a Captain America type. He had to take kind of the rabble and all of the kind of the poor people, let's keep it real, that he had to conscript into his army. They used to go town to town and say, give me 10 bucks or you have to join the army. <laughs> that used to be the rule. So you got a lot of poor people in there who didn't want to be there, and it was his job to make them into a fighting force. Now, in order to teach fighting, you have to understand fighting. And George mm. Washington, as a general, understood fighting. You know, often he would ride into battle on his horse, carrying his sword, getting ready to go on there. And I see no reason why General George Washington isn't riding a horse with a big saber as he comes into this battle. And again, one of these men is a general of the army. The other is a lawyer. And I'm not going to say lawyers aren't tough, but they're definitely not trained in militaristic combat the way, I don't know, a general is, all right? He was commander of the Virginia militia, Washington was, at the age of 19. This is his entire life spent doing military stuff, mainly because he was kind of bored. He was a land surveyor before that. He didn't really enjoy it very much. He said, oh, I want to go fight people. That sounds more fun. He was a, he got his first generalship at the age of 22. So obviously, other than the fact that he came from a rich family, maybe that had something to do with it, but he obviously showed promise in one way or another to mm. show that the people around him should follow him at the age of 22. At the age of 22, I was worried about selling people lasagnas in a restaurant. I wasn't worrying about commanding 300, 300 thousand troops and taking them to die this guy is a born leader he's got nerves of steel not just that he also survived a heck of a lot for being let's face it anything could kill you back in the 1700s here is the mm. list of things that didn't kill george washington that he got diphtheria tuberculosis smallpox malaria dysentery quinsy carbuncle pneumonia and in one particular battle he had two horses that he was riding shot out from underneath him often that means you're going to have the horse fall on you and you're going to break and you're going to die he had mm. two horses in one battle and he was fine he walked away from it not just that same battle he had four bullets come close enough to his body that they actually punctured his clothing but did not hit him his literally, maybe, and we don't know this for a fact, but it's possible that George Washington had some sort of Luke Cage thing going on. That's the only mm. other time I could think about. And maybe bullets just don't penetrate his skin because he was never shot. I don't think Abraham Lincoln can say the same thing. <clears throat> Last thing I want to point out here is the fact that Washington, as great a general as he was, and the way he captured Cornwallis was, was amazing. But he was a greater spy master. He was really into the art of, of getting information. So when it comes to observing things and it comes to information and using it to your advantage, the fact that Washington was a great spy master, in my mind, puts him another step higher intelligence-wise in this battle. And that's my point number one. Mm. Wow. Okay. Um, lots to discuss, Ray. Uh, quick question. If you took the leading military general, leader, if you will, sure. Uh, of today and put them in uh, an unexpected fight with the top MMA champion in the world. Who do you think wins? Well, do, do I have a horse and a sword? Because then I'm pretty sure I do. 
Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, now, here's the other thing, too. You said um, George Washington may have Luke Cage-like skin. Did I hear we that don't know. correctly? We don't know. It's possible. He got shot four times. Pierce the clothes didn't pierce him. <laughs> okay. Uh, pretty sure he wasn't invulnerable to bullets. I, you know, I went over American history, especially <laughs> what have you, quite a bit. I, I don't remember that. Um, mm. Interesting point, You know, uh, mutant Ray. powers weren't always talked about in the 1700s, James. That's true. They, they were not. Although witches and like that kind of stuff was. So you never know. Um, okay. Now, is there a difference in how you fight someone in a military conflict versus how you would fight someone in a one-on-one unexpected encounter? Yes or no? What do you think? No, not even a little bit. If you're military, you're military and you win. That's what I learned. That's right, Ray. There's a big difference. So when you have tactics within a military setting, you've got, you know, it's like the 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 samurai, for example, had these tactics where they had to kind of be cognizant of what was around them at all times, you know, so they could, uh, you know, extend their sword, pull out their swords, do what they had to do, not hit any of their, uh, uh, you know, people on their side. Uh, soldiers of that time period also had to be very aware, had to stay within their lane, so to speak, especially when firing muskets or what have you. So this is a kind of a different conflict. Now, George Washington, you can't take anything away from you know, the the first president of the United States, amazing military leader, absolutely. But when it comes to a one-on-one encounter or fight, this is not his lane. This is not his thing. But I'll talk more about that later. Let me get to my point number one. See, unlike George Washington, Abraham Lincoln was 100% self-made. So, you know, again, Abe Lincoln was born in a one-room log cabin and really had a really harsh life from the get-go. He had the equivalent of 12 months worth of formal education between the ages of 7 and 21. Despite all of that, he put his mind to it and learned everything he needed to on his own. According to historians, Lincoln, by the way, this is just going to show you who he was, dressed as an ordinary uh, boy from a poor backwoods family with a gap between his shoes, socks, and pants that often exposed six more inches of his skin. His lack of interest in his personal attire continues as an adult. You know, when Lincoln lived in New Salem, Illinois, he frequently appeared with a single suspender and no vest or coat. That's who he was. And yet somehow he went from the poor house to the White House. Let me explain. So, you know, he had his early life summed up in a quote from Thomas Gray's. It was called The Elegy Written in a Country churchyard his life was a short it was called the short and simple annals of the poor and you know by the way on a side note lincoln became an expert with an axe during this time and uh there's this historian john Locke scripts he wrote this in 1860 he says the erection of a house and the felling of the force was the first work to be done he's talking about abraham lincoln abraham was young to engage in such labor but he was large of his age stalwart and willing to work an axe was at it was one at an axe was at once placed in his hands, and from that time until he attained his 23rd year, when not employed in labor on the farm, he was almost constantly wielding that most useful implement. And do you know how old he was when he first got that axe and started chopping down trees, building houses, and becoming a badass? He was eight. Eight. <laughs> on wow. top of all, but, but again, comes from this back level, this backwards town, born in one room cabin. Did any of that stop him? No, of course not. So because whatever he needed to learn, he figured it out on his own. So for example, as you mentioned before, he studied law on his own without going to school for it and became a successful lawyer. Intellectually, Lincoln was more EQ than IQ, although I'm pretty sure he had high levels in both. And throughout all this time, Lincoln was still the hardworking, axe-wielding farmhand who didn't mind getting his hands dirty. He worked, he became a lawyer, he became a politician. He bought a German-based 
German language newspaper because, you know, why not? You know, Lincoln had none of the wealthy lifestyle, education, and opportunities that George Washington did, none of them. But through sheer will, tenacity, and a superhuman work ethic, Lincoln let nothing stop him. And despite all of his hardships, his mother dying, his stepmother dying, his kids dying, uh, Lincoln stopped at nothing to get where he was and achieve what he did. As great as George Washington was, he didn't have to go through nearly the amount of hardships Lincoln had to experience. That's a fact. When you put a man of privilege against a man who literally fought like hell to get from the bottom of society to the presidency, well, my money's on the person who fought like hell. That's my point number one. So, James, what I hear you saying is the reason why Lincoln should win this physical confrontation is because he, 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 he was smart and became a lawyer. Like, that's fantastic, and that's great for him as far as a job goes, as far as a career goes. Great job, Honest Abe. But as far as actually fighting goes, I'm sorry, he had very little, if no, physical training in the forms of combat. I mean, there is what you just presented to me. I brought up an entire military background with one of the greatest militaries of that time in the world. Uh, You know, the British Army at the time was known as sort of like they took over the world. Basically, the sun never sets on the British Empire. It's something we're all kind of familiar with. Washington trained under all of that stuff. And the truth is, he wanted to join the British Army as a real general, except they were like, you're a dumb American. Why would we ever have you? And when you talk about overcoming... That put a little bit of a chip on his shoulder, and he said, okay, I'm going to get a bunch of my dumb Americans together, and we're going to beat the living heck out of all of you and get you out of our country not too much longer later. Again, military training versus a guy who, a farm boy with an axe. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Navy SEAL over a hillbilly gym any day of the week, James. It, you know, it's just, it's just funny. In this particular regard, George Washington reminds me of someone who kind of, you know, started with a very wealthy, you know, upbringing and then kind of, you know, leveraged it in strategic ways to then, you know, get to different places, you know, higher places in his life. But he did start at a really good level. He didn't have to fight his way through hell to get there. That's the difference between these two characters. All right, now, or these two presidents, I should say. Tommy, you've heard points number one from Ray and myself. Where's your head at right yeah. now? Well, uh, my head is, uh, as it usually is after round one, I am uh, torn. I'm a little torn here. I uh, First of all, I like uh, learning that Lincoln didn't have a lot of formal education. I, myself... Barely attended school and before leaving for a life of uh, success and fame and fortune in Los Angeles. I attended a community college for a semester and a regular college for a time, but never a, never a degree. So that, that gave me an empathetic link with Lincoln there, pardon the pun. But uh, George was a badass. George had uh, all of the military training, all of the, I mean, by all accounts, I've never served, but by the people, the friends I have who have served, that if you have not served combat, you you simply don't have the instincts and in survival, will to survive that that people who are are in the military have that have seen active duty and have seen combat. So so right now, uh, you know, I, I definitely am uh, I, I'm a fan of both men, but I, I guess I have to say right now, slight edge to George Washington, slight edge. That's correct. That is the only correct thing to say right there. All right, Ray. Now, remember, George uh, Abraham Lincoln did have, you know, was part of the military for a short time. But with that being said, he has nowhere near the, the military experience as George Washington. I can't deny that whatsoever. Ray, we're off to a good start. Hit me with your point number two. 
Point number two, now we've talked a little bit about the fact that George Washington was a great military. Now, he had some some earlier in his career, especially, like he made some bad decisions mm. uh, with the starting the French and Indian War and then starting the Seven Years' War. Kind of an oopsie moment right there, but it was done through violence. Through violence mm. he was not supposed to do. You're not supposed to kill the rich people in the battles back mm. then. You're only supposed to kill the poors. And mm. he made the, the cardinal sin of killing the rich leader. Uh, mm. uh, no, you let them go that, every single time. What are we talking about right now? But the thing that I loved about George Washington learning about him for this battle is he went for it. That Just because he made a bad decision here and took out the people uh, didn't stop him. Because uh, back then in the ways of war, when it hit wintertime, especially in the northeast uh, Atlantic region of the United States, when the, when the snow started falling, the war ended until the spring. Literally, everybody and the soldiers and everything went home and they just hung out somewhere and they just partied and, and probably just like drank a lot and and, 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 and high fived each other up until the point where the spring starts. They put back on their soldier gear. And then they go back out and meet in the field and go have some more war. That's mm. just what people did. So George Washington said, that's fabulous. He's over there. Uh, this is where the crossing of the Delaware happens. It was never done. There was a German mercenary unit known as the Hessians. And mm. there were, I think, 1,500 of them stationed uh, over in the uh, eastern part of the United States. And Washington said, these guys are going to be a real problem come the spring. Let's mm. do some poop. So George Washington crossed the Delaware with a big group of his own uh, men and army. He was able to keep them together. The sheer frigid cold temperatures of trying to do that, like the physicality it just takes to get a boat of humans across the river without freezing to death is 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 superhuman in its own way. Some would say he he's comparable to Mr. Freeze in that particular example right there with him being able to survive these subarctic temperatures. Uh, he was able to go over there and when huh. on Christmas Day, when you are not supposed to attack the enemy he attacked yeah. the hessians and took 800 of them hostage mm. he took 800 people hostage and these are like mercenaries this is blackwater dudes coming from germany so he was able to break the rules and this is where i'm really trying to come down to there are certain gentlemanly rules of combat at the time and george washington said to heck with that i'm going to win this fight i'm not going to wait till spring and get my butt kicked so if it comes to being a moment where one of them has to quote unquote go there James, I hear you talking about this a lot. When it comes to having to go there, Washington is the guy who will go there. He mm. will win. He must win. His life depends on him winning. The other little thing I wanted to put out here is uh, a mild crossover, but I think it's important because there was a TV pilot back in 1992, and it was mm. called 1775, and it mm. was an American pilot in the style of the Rowan Atkinson Black uh, Adder television show. It was a comedy, kind of a loopy, fun comedy involving historical figures, and George Washington was a character on that show. Who played George Washington? None other than Adam West. Adam wow. West played George Washington in this one-episode pilot of 1775. Adam West famously, of course, played Batman in the 1960s. So you yes. can see why when you're actually trying to portray George Washington on screen, the only actor appropriate to do so is literally Batman. So mm. when you think of George Washington, I think you should think of Adam West. You should think of uh, Batman. Definitely compare him to Batman, Tommy, as much as you possibly can. I can't, and I can't, I can't unsee it now. I yeah. can't unsee it. And what? when George Washington punches Abraham Lincoln, a big cartoon pow should appear over his head. I want you to keep that in mind. And that's my point number two. Biff. Snap. Pow. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Excellent. 
Okay, 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 okay. Hold on, hold on. So, 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 so. First of all, you you said George George Washington beats Abraham Lincoln because George Washington can survive a harsh winter and take a boat over the Delaware. He survived a lot, James. Absolutely. Though those frigid temperatures were no joke. In fact, that same winter, I believe it was two hundred and fifty American soldiers just died because it was just cold. Like that's mm. just how we lived back then. So the fact that Washington went out in the went out on the water, this is superhuman stuff. It's incredible. It's, it, it, it's crazy. I, I get it. They didn't have a lot of antibiotics and you know medicine. I would say none and cuts. Right? Yeah, all, or any of that. Right? But I, you know, I'm from Canada. That's that's what we call like a Tuesday. That's not superhuman. That's just you know they. I hope they dress warmer. Um, also, you said you compared him to Mister Freeze. Is that correct? Sure. Yeah. So well, first you said both, he's like both are known he's like for Luke Cage. Very mm-hmm. cold temperatures. Yeah, I think so, that's fair. So first you're saying he's Luke Cage. He might be. bullets can't do anything, and we don't know. And now you're comparing it to Mr. Freeze. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. That's fair. And now then you're saying have because the power armor per se that we know of, maybe that's what was stopping the bullets. I don't know. And then my favorite mm-hmm. part about all this is that George Washington beats Abraham Lincoln because in a TV show, mm-hmm. uh, George Washington was played by the amazing Adam West. Is that correct? That's why that George is- Washington beats Abraham yes. Lincoln. When you go to cast George Washington in a loopy sitcom pilot. Even then, you have to cast Batman. Like, that's just the only choice you have. Mm. Okay, so you got to remember one of our, I think it was rule number three. You got to stay within the confines of the character. And this isn't even a crossover. This is just like a that TV was the thing that happened. Of real George I, I Washington, James. I, I got to go to the you. judge on this. Tommy, you're cool with this point? You know, I, I, see, what you're, I see what you're saying, James. But uh, when it comes to Adam West, the spirit that he embodies is very similar to the spirit of Washington. And there's who's to say that he's not a reincarnated George Washington. Thank you. Thank we you. really can't disprove that. So I'm going to allow it. Thank you. I'm Thank you, allow Tommy. It. Wait, you said Adam West is has the spirit of George Washington. Okay. We, we don't know for sure that he was not a reincarnated uh, being that, that was once George Washington. We don't Tommy, know. that's reading between the lines of my point, and like, I'm glad when I can put something up there, you're a judge smart enough to pick it up and run with it. Yes. Wow. All right, okay. Um... <laughs> All right, okay. Let, let me just go to my point number two, and this is going to clarify a lot, and mm. this is a point that really speaks to my heart. Um, I'm going to use math and uh, so Ray will speak slower. My point number two is called. <laughs> I've already lost. That's right. It's called three hundred and one. Mm. Yeah. So look, physically speaking, George Washington he wasn't a small guy, but he was smaller than Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I think George mm. Washington was six two and one hundred seventy five pounds. Not too big by today's standards. Tall, mm. but back then I'm sure that was massive. Of course, Abraham Lincoln was six four and weighed mm. two hundred ten pounds. He'd be a legit. Uh, on the lighter side, but a legit heavyweight in the UFC. Now, mm. keep in mind for this battle, it pits someone who started using an axe at the age of eight versus someone who had a, a, a set of fake teeth. Remember, George Washington began losing teeth as early as his 20s, and was a, I think he, had to for, he was forced to wear like several sets of these really weird-looking uh, dentures that were also very painful to him uh, for mm. him to use. They actually had springs that he had to press down on and then let open for him to actually talk properly and do all this crazy stuff. Uh, wow. And his dentures weren't made of wood either. Uh, they were made out of like different combinations of, uh, this is crazy, uh, rare hippotam- hippopotamus ivory. Mm. metal fasteners, and this is really horrible, human teeth. By the way, which, this just makes me wonder how well he could take a punch to the jaw. Actually, I'm not mm. wondering. The answer is not well. That's why when he does all these crazy, amazing military feats, he's not alone. It's not himself doing it one-on-one. It's not a smart thing to do. He has his military with him. 
But on a one-on-one encounter, things are not going to go well for him. Now, mm. Abraham Lincoln, he was many things. And one of them was being a great fighter. He was so great that his record is thought by historians to be 300 wins and one loss. But the loss has like a, an asterisk beside it because it wasn't like he got pinned or submitted. He got thrown to the ground and someone counted that as a win. So I'm not even sure it's a true wow. loss. Yeah, mm. it's crazy. So before he like steps into the political arena, he becomes like um, – he and before he becomes a president – he was a wrestler on the American frontier, and wrestling was very different back then. It wasn't mm. WWE pro wrestling. It wasn't even uh, collegiate wrestling. It was really just – it was fighting. It was pure mm. fighting. It was there was some, it was crazy. So he was known as a really good grappler. Um, he was known as being super strong. He was known as a very fast thinker in a fight. He could see an opening, go for it. He knew how to, to maneuver his opponents into wherever he wanted to. He actually also won uh, his county's wrestling championship at a really young age. He was just a natural fighter. He was that good. And what's really cool about this is he was also evidently a really good trash talker and knew how to psychologically mess with his opponents before a fight. Um, after one victory... Uh, supposedly, uh, Lincoln looked at the crowd and yelled, and I'm quoting this, of course, I'm the big buck of this lick. If any of you want to try it, come on and wet your horns. Doesn't really mean a lot to me right now, but I'm sure that was insane trash talk back in the day. And this was so threatening to the people that were there, the everyone in attendance. And he, he then said, okay, who, who's next? Who wants to try something? No one stepped up. A whole bunch of people came to watch him fight and then to challenge him. He trash talks. No one steps up to fight him. He was that good. Now, he had one famous match against this person named Jack Armstrong. This is really cool. And Jack Armstrong was a member of a local gang called the Clary's Grove Boys. And Jack Armstrong heard these stories about this guy Lincoln, how strong he was, how good of a fighter was. And he heard this from who was Lincoln's boss at the time. So he goes out and he challenges Abraham Lincoln to a fight. And the crowd's gathered and people are placing bets. And when the fight was over, Lincoln kicked his ass, but not just in a normal way. So they start fighting, right? And everyone's there. Uh, they're doing the wrestling. They're, they're fighting kind of, you know, the way they have to. Armstrong starts doing some dirty stuff, like, you know, hitting him in different ways or what have you. So instead of just hitting him back, Lincoln got so angry, legend has it, he just stopped fighting, grabbed Armstrong by the throat, and starts throttling him, like shaking him back and forth, mm. tosses him on the ground, stands over him, and says, what now? Armstrong gave up, right? He then turns to the crowd, challenges the crowd, challenges every member of his gang to a fight, saying, come on, what are you going to do now? None of them stepped up. They all said, we don't want to fight you. Armstrong was so humiliated, and by the way, taken aback by Lincoln, he got up, apologized, shook Lincoln's hand and said, I'm really sorry, and said, I, I admit, you're the better fighter. Like, wow. Yeah, Lincoln is that much of a badass. Uh, on a side note, he was so good that he was inducted, I think it was 1992, into the, uh, it was called the Outstanding American Wing of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. And on a really cool side note, the wrestling style of Abraham Lincoln used was morphed into what was called Catches Catch Can Wrestling. It was actually kind of combined with this cool uh, English style of wrestling. And then that morphed into what was called No Holds Barred. And No Holds Barred was what the UFC referred to as MMA before MMA was a thing, right? Mm. That's how badass of a fighter Lincoln was. He was like one of the forefathers of modern day MMA. So against a great military leader with fake teeth versus someone with a record of 301 who could trash talk and make people afraid of him by, you know, yelling at them. Yeah, I'm going to go with a person with a 301 record. That's my point number two. Mm. Oh, James, it's so adorable that you think that the 
professional wrestling of yesteryear was completely different than the professional wrestling of today. It's adorable that you think that. And by that, of course, I mean completely legitimate and uh, an obvious test of skill between two wrestling combatants. Sure, James, the fact that he kept beating people and then shouting at the crowd, uh, you know, you draw your own conclusions from uh, a lot of this stuff. Uh, Let's just say he got the name Honest Abe because he played what they call in the industry a face And he was a good guy wrestler who won many matches, much like Hulk Hogan of the 1980s. That's all I want to say about that. Uh, I wish that line about the, you know, the dipping, what was it, dips in horns? I wish I had that when I was in the ring. This lake, who wants to dip their horn? Yeah, I wish I had that line uh, handy when I was in the ring uh, a few years ago because I would have shouted that every match and it would have gone over like crazy. Mm. You talk about the dentures. The dentures were obviously very, very painful. Yeah, they were made from poor people's teeth, uh, among other various things. They looked probably horrifying. In fact, they would intimidate Abraham Lincoln if he just showed that that, uh, that glassy smile. Uh, There's no way it doesn't because that is messed up looking and it's messed up how he got him and it hurt. It shows his natural toughness. He wore those dentures all the time despite the fact that they hurt like heck. You got to appreciate a guy who's willing to to hurt a little just to look scary. Hmm. First of all, first of all, not to say there weren't professional style matches happening at the same time in that era of the United States. There were, but this is documented real fighting. This is not sure, James. a pro style thing. Now, one thing that Abraham Lincoln did do, which is really smart, is that if he ever needed to gather a crowd, he'd challenge the toughest person in that town. That was about as showy as it, it got because he always knew there was a chance he could lose. But again, he only kind of lost once. Abraham Lincoln was a badass, physical badass, rare and one. Wrestling Hall of Fame, this is a badass. All right, Tommy, listen. The, Ray's going in some crazy land talk. I'm bringing up really cool facts about an amazing fighter who was also mm-hmm. one of our greatest presidents. We're at the turning point, and this is where you use your judgment. Mm-hmm. Forget about Adam West for a second and tell yeah. us who you think is in the lead and what the other side has to do to get the win. Mm. Well, first of all, James, I really wish you had mentioned that Will Forte did the voice of Abraham Lincoln in the show Clone High so that I could relate another actor to the president. Uh, So that is just a personal point off for you. But uh, looking at the last round of arguments, um, something changed in me. Something uh, I was uh, I had my views of these men. I had pigeonholed them and. I had George Washington as the tougher man, and that has that has changed. Hmm. I uh, undeniably, Abraham Lincoln uh, has the pedigree of a fighter, of a brawler. The thing about war and battling is, while you're individually maybe engaging in hand-to-hand combat, it is a effort of many. It is it is not a singular effort. Whereas uh, fighting, uh, combat sports, is one-on-one, uh, generally. So the idea of this being a one-on-one fight, the advantage would appear to be advantage Lincoln at this point. Now, let me mm. just go to my notes. The trash-talking thing was disturbing. It was uh, neither helpful nor hurtful to your case, but it did open a window to the psyche of Abraham Lincoln, which I think is a pretty terrifying place. So I, I, I'm looking here. I see George Washington is a man who will fight dirty, but generally probably needs a group of people to be at his most effective in fighting. Abraham Lincoln uh, seems to be a man of great integrity, so he may not have what it takes to finish someone off. So uh, at this point, I'm going to give a slight advantage to Lincoln. Slight, slight, razor thin 
advantage to Lincoln. The star power of George Washington Adam West is looming large in the background. This is, I would say, this is what we would call in a 162 game baseball season, a half game lead three quarters of the way through the season. Okay, so there's a lot of time left, a lot of games to be played. It's fair. Yeah, you're, you're okay. See, the Adam West is carrying weight with you, is what you're saying. It's not, not. It's not, not. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, there's a reason why you're this amazing and, and will be, uh, you know, the leader of Rochester, New York shortly. OK, Ray, here's the deal. Uh, you know, razor thin lead to me just means we're still kind of tied. You're throwing a lot of weird stuff out there. I'm really hoping you kind of veer back towards George Washington's greatness and what's been you know, oh, documented. Absolutely. My point number three is all about the greatness of George Washington. Then hit me with your point uh. number three. Point number three, I want to use some historical examples from historical uh, 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 television shows, portrayals, um, uh, 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 and media portrayals, because I think okay. that's very, very important for understanding this character. See, mm. the actual George Washington appeared on a television show called The Teen Titans, where oh, he got into a fight with Robin, uh, star, uh, the leader of the Teen Titans, and it was the winner of that fight was to become the new leader of the Teen Titans. And in that particular battle, where he destroyed Robin and made Robin submit and actually became the leader of the Teen Titans, George wow. Washington was shown to jump out of their giant uh, uh, fortress very, very high up in the sky. He, mm. he used an eagle that flew out. He was able to control the eagle. It landed on his back and was able to fly him around like Falcon from the Falcon and Winter Soldier TV show that isn't mm. out yet. But you know who I'm talking about. He yes. has wingspan eagle flight power. Not just that, uh, Robin tried to shoot a projectile and then Lincoln, or excuse me, Washington pulled out what's called the Freedom Shield, and he was able to deflect all of the shots of those projectiles. Mm. Not just that, he countered that with what's called the Liberty Punch, which sent Robin flying what must have been 25 stories in the air. Not just that, when Robin tried to return to the battle, George Washington got into a robotic statue of liberty called, it was called the Monument Mech, and that wow. is what he ended up using, smashed the torch down on Robin, ultimately causing his defeat and taking over the leader of the Teen Titans. But if that historical uh, example doesn't work for you, I have another one. And it's from mm. the historical documentary known as Assassin's Creed 3 DLC, <laughs> The Tyranny of King Washington. Jeez. Now in this, what? George Washington, in real life, obviously, because this video games are all reality, George Washington found some sort of weird artifact. It was an apple, but it wasn't really an apple. It was more of a sphere. And it was an artifact that corrupted his soul and made him want to become the king of America. Mm. Not just that. He did it. He, he built a giant pyramid where the White House was going to be. And he stayed inside looking brutish on his throne that he had created because he had referred to himself as king of mm. the Americas. Now, when he eventually gets fought in the final battle of this historical video game, he has the apple stuck in a scepter, which he can then use to project uh, energy blasts from it. He of could course. also be surrounded by force fields. Uh, if mm. he, in fact, sees you coming in the battle, he could actually raise a giant force field all around himself, knocking mm. you backwards. So how is Abraham Lincoln even going to get close? When George Washington is throwing force fields around, blowing him out of the air, skying him everywhere there, not just that. Once he got a couple of hits in, let's just say, for example, Lincoln gets a couple of hits in on George Washington. George Washington produced clones of himself, like dozens of them, all around, all either armed with a musket 
or what? armed with the scepter uh, artifact itself, which could then also do energy blasts. So mm. it's much like fighting the Wu-Tang Clan. If you fight one George Washington, you're fighting dozens of George Washingtons if the battle starts going in your favor. So Abraham Lincoln can't even get near him. He's got no answer for energy blasts. And not just that, all the clones are eventually going to get to him. And to finish it off in that battle, they fell through the roof. They fell through the roof what would be basically falling off the top of a stadium. They fell through the roof of the pyramid, and Washington was able to get up and walk back to his chair at the end of this battle, um, where he, I think, just fell asleep. That's probably what just happened. But he was able to get up despite every one of his bones in his body being broken. George Washington, corrupted, is absolutely too much for Abraham Lincoln to mm. handle. I've given you two historical, factual examples from the historical Teen Titans and historical Assassin's Creed 3 DLC, the entire tyranny of King Washington. Mm. I believe I've made my final case here. I think Washington is just too powerful with arcane powers and science-based powers to be defeated, and that's my point number three. Wow. What? Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Ray, are you, I, I'm, I'm going to kind of just read between the lines here. Did you run out of points for George Washington, so you decided to do a Teen no, Titans? No, I was doing what I always do. It's called sandbagging. You save the best points for last, and mm. then you hit like a haymaker, and then I look at this dumb expression on your face in our video chat service. Could be anything. And then I see how defeated you look right now, and it brings me such great joy. You know, a couple of comments. Number one, I, I just don't think those are actually historical uh, historical uh, events. But uh, All of them and number two, Crystal Metz, uh, one hell of a drug. And point number three, let's go to our judge, Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> Did, can you just really, I'm just going to say really, question mark. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're questioning this, James. I'm a history buff. And yeah. one of the things that my fellow history buffs will, will, will I'm sure, concur with me is, it's fun to learn things you didn't previously know. <laughs> I, yep. in you. my studyings, my my uh, range of research, I have never come across the legend uh, <laughs> of George Washington wielding a staff with a orb, an apple-like orb that could give him the power of force fields and energy bolts. I've never heard that. Of course, the cherry tree. I cannot tell a lie. I chopped down the cherry tree. We all know that one. Sure, sure. Uh, we know about his famous isolationist policies and the, the desire to make the nation strong uh, without depending on foreign nations. We know about that. But uh, the fact that he was able to wield a giant structure to defeat the boy wonder, that had also escaped my research. So as a, as a history buff and an amateur historian, uh, learning new things is never to be discouraged, e even in the framing of, of a hypothetical battle. So I guess I just urge you to educate me as well if you want Lincoln to have a chance here. Okay, so Ray, you're really doing this. Is this, this is what you're relying on. Is this correct? I'm relying on real facts, real history, real examples from the real world, James. I don't know what you're doing. You know, the, the, the I'm hearing crazy talk from Ray. Uh, Tommy, okay. I The only thing that's crazier than all of this is that for some reason, I kind of expected Ray to do this. Mm. So um, I'm going to toss out my point number three that was mm. built on legitimacy and the you know the historical facts of Abraham Lincoln. Sure. And um, let me bring How up a couple you, things. Sir. 
First of all, if you're going to bring up, what was it, the uh, Statue of Liberty mech, uh, mm-hmm. I'll bring mm-hmm. up, I think, Robo Lincoln in the Destroy All Humans video game. He was also mm-hmm. a large mech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. So really, we're going to, okay, let's keep going. Um, you know, let's talk about this great documentary. There's been so many amazing documentaries about Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. You know, Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. made one, I think. Uh, yeah, yep, there's sure, There's been of stuff on PBS. You know, there, sure. I'm sure Netflix has a number of these. My Ken, favorite- Ken, Ken Burns has certainly covered the territory. I've spent many a night on PBS learning about Lincoln. A masterpiece theater, by the way, mm. a, a lovely program as well. Mm. Uh, I've donated dozens of dollars yes. to their their fundraising uh, efforts. Well. Um, here's the thing: my favorite documentary about mm. Abraham Lincoln uh, came out in 2011. It was called Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and this one, yes. this this was just really interesting. It opened my eyes to things. Now, again, it's never been documented that this actually happened, but it's you know it's also never been documented that it never happened. So I'm True. guessing this was based off some like legend because mm. all legends in this have a basis of truth. Sure. And this basis is what I'm going to depend my put my point number three on. So the legend has it that after Abraham Lincoln learns that vampires killed his grandfather and his mother, mm. and hordes of them were running the South for some reason, he gets so angry that he vows to kill every last one. So he meets up with a friendly vampire by the name of Henry Sturgis, who trains Abraham, I can't believe I'm doing this, who trains Abraham Lincoln for 10 years in the art of killing and destroying vampires. Now, during this training, Abraham Lincoln became so powerful, he could cut through a tree with one swing of an axe super easy. He became so proficient at fighting and killing that he could take on super powerful vampires that really only had two weaknesses, silver and, well, the other one was decapitation. And let's just say Abraham Lincoln didn't always have a lot of silver but luckily mm. he did have his axe so just mm. how powerful were these vampires that abraham lincoln were dispatching well the vampires were immortal they were literally immortal to all physical age and diseases and couldn't be killed by mortal means such as gunshots and normal blades uh they were practically invulnerable as they could survive gunshots to the head endure mm. several severe physical trauma and falls of all types sunlight didn't bother them all they were out walking in the day they were super strong it's like uh they could hold the weight of a falling train that's insanely strong. Mm. Yeah, they could see in the dark, had super hearing. They had incredible super speed and could move faster than the eye could see and outmaneuver like firearms and bullets. And if that wasn't enough, they possessed Spider-Man like agility and reflexes. I'm just throwing that wow. in because uh, Ray loves it when I bring up Spider-Man and compare him to like things that I'm de- debating mm. right now. And by the way, Abraham Lincoln, he didn't he didn't just kill them one by one. Uh, he killed them like four to five at a time, wow. especially when he got jumped by like groups of them. He would just dispatch them like no one's business, and he was smiling while he did it. And the, you know, of course, he used silver and all that, but man, he loved decapitating these super powerful van- – not regular vampires, no. uh, Tommy. I'm talking super powerful vampires. Yes. But in the end, when you're facing someone who went from poverty to the presidency through sheer force of will, had mm-hmm. a fighting record of 301 and a style yeah. that was the forefather to modern-day MMA – and someone who could destroy groups of super-powered vampires by cutting their heads off and mm. enjoying every second of it, it's pretty clear that Abraham Lincoln beats George Washington, either in fact or fiction. And that, mm. ladies and gentlemen, is my point number three. Hmm. Fiction? What are you talking about? That all sounded true to me. I've seen that documentary as well. Mm. It's great. And uh, Yeah, and I got an A in my history class uh, when I brought up the facts of it. So, I mean, I don't know what we're talking about right now. Uh, mm. Let me just say... Uh, First things first, fantastic. I'm glad that you went for it as far as bringing out the real facts of the real history of this country and none of this 
BS wrestling stuff that you were trying to throw out there because as a wrestler, I just happen to know better. Um, mm. The one story that I want to leave you with here, Tommy, is mm. the story of uh, the, the nobleman who, and this is sort of a, a, a this one is, is not necessarily a true story, but it's an anecdote. So bear mm. with me. But the okay. story goes that there was a gentleman who had British uh, noble over to his house for these dinner parties. And what he did was, you know, they didn't have indoor plumbing at the time, so they had an outhouse. And he went ahead and he put a giant picture of George Washington on the inside door of the outhouse so you could see mm. it while you were inside doing your business. Mm. And, the re and he was asked once, why do you have a giant picture of George Washington on the inside of your outhouse, especially for these dinner parties. And he says, because nothing makes a Brit crap himself or want to go to the bathroom more than the sight of George Washington because mm. they are that terrified of him. Mm. The English, the British at the time, were the dominant force in the entire world. And the fact that this anecdote could be told about the most dominant power being afraid, afraid of George Washington, especially with those gnarly teeth, I think tells you everything you need to know about this character. Not mm. just that, I didn't really hear James come against force fields, come against energy blasts, and have anything really positive to say about using mm. the Statue of Liberty as a giant mech in order to win the battle. Mm. I will leave you with that. All I gotta say to that is that if we're really getting historical about this, Superman and Batman had to call upon a historical figure to help them against some super powerful villain, something that could end the universe. And mm. guess who they chose to fight by their side? It was Abraham Lincoln, who really? for some reason had superpowers. By the way, Abe Lincoln is actually a Superman level being mm -hmm. in the image yeah. universe trying, that's James. with Invincible. So keep, there keep, you go. Keep trying, James. No, that's this is how you beat Schwarzfield. You have a superhuman you, level. He's trying to invent new points. He's beating. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to side with a little bit of both of you there I'm gonna have to c cut some of that last part out because that was a fourth point but uh but, okay. but not, nevertheless, nevertheless. These are good points. Now, now listen, you've heard both sides. I'm not really yeah. sure what's happening here. You've heard both sides hmm. of, of I guess these are called arguments uh, yeah. debates it's now up to you, Tommy. Who do you think wins this battle? Is it George Washington? Is it mm. Abraham Lincoln? Take us through your process and tell us who is the winner. Mm, yes. Well, uh, you know, as uh, as said in Hamilton, a musical featuring George Washington, death doesn't discriminate. It takes, it takes, and it takes. So... Uh, what I'm looking at here is uh, now that we have these newfound facts about our founding fathers and uh, and 16th President Abraham Lincoln, the game has changed. The game has changed because we're no longer doing uh, Mississippi mud wrestling or whatever it was that Abraham Lincoln excelled at or Ohio Valley uh, tag team uh, lo loser leave town matches. We're talking about uh, time and space and physics being bent. Uh, so I have to look at the... Uh, the vampire slaying against the uh, being able to call upon magical powers. Uh, it would seem to me the the way to uh, disarm George Washington would be for him to have a momentary lapse of strength or a lapse of focus. Now, in the beginning, Ray, when we were dealing with the, what I would say conventional facts, what I would call mainstream facts, when we were just mm -hmm. talking about uh, uh, conventional <laughs> history... You listed off a series of about nine ailments that George Washington suffered from. Now, you could try and use the argument that we don't know what version of George Washington, if he, if he is a person, who, if he hadn't suffered them yet at the time of this fight, but you did identify that he had them when he was a child. One of the ailments was carbuncle. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the other ailments are 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 more severe: tuberculosis, uh, smallpox. Those are things that permanently weaken a person. Those are things that permanently make it difficult for them to have fine motor skills and fine motor functions. Because of that, and because of the fact that this man spent 10 years training and learning how to fight beings with Spider-Man level dexterity, I simply have no choice but to rule that in the thinnest of margins, the winner of this fight is Abraham Lincoln. This and is there a you complete have it. outrage. Wow. And there you have it, wow. ladies and gentlemen. And that's how Abraham Lincoln wins these fights. Someone comes at him with outlandish claims, craziness, mm. stuff that's not factually true, and he becomes a lawyer, figures out how to fight it on that level, and overcomes. The right decision was made. Tommy, I got to tell you, it took me on an emotional journey here, allowing mm. raise points. Just... The, the 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 madness we descended to. I don't think we've ever done that before. Wow. Um, Ray, as a fellow Carbuncle survivor, I just simply had to let George Washington be heard in his full glory. Wow, wow, Ray. I mean, this was the first battle you and I ever had. Do you mm. do? Are, are you now satisfied that this battle has been resolved? That you know we now have a clear winner. Where's your head at right now? No, James, I'm not satisfied uh, with this answer uh, at all. <laughs> Tommy, I don't know what happened. Uh, I don't know what happened to you. I don't know what happened to us. I felt that that point number three was so deeply strong. And the Adam West Mm. point doing it, look, I I did not suffer carbuncle. So I have to, you know, first off, uh, congratulations. Thank you uh, for your strength. I just want to start there. It has been argued that the smallpox that Washington had when he was young uh, caused him to be sterile while he had no kids later Mm. in life. So I can see a little bit of the weakening argument. Um, I still think it shows that uh, ailments that literally killed everybody back then, again, eight, nine of them that I said in point number one, the fact that he survived the ball shows that he's a survivor, and I think that you completely dropped the ball on that. And I never heard an answer uh, for the Monument Mac Statue of Liberty. I I don't even know what to tell you at this point. Mm. Uh, I I feel like I went unheard a little bit. Bit in my finest points, uh, I feel like this is the second week in a row that that has happened, wow. and, I, and I feel I feel a little bit of sadness right now, Tommy. I'm not gonna lie; I would normally be yelling at somebody uh, mm. a lot, but the fact that you allowed me to make my points uh, mm. with my alternative facts and my uh, 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 alternative mm. uh, storylines, um, mm. I think shows a great uh, decency as a judge. So I'm not I'm not mad at you; I'm just disappointed. I I you know what? Get in line. Get in line of the people that are not mad at me but are disappointed. And by the way, while you're in line, meet each other. Make a new friend. It's all about the friends you make along the way. That's right. Like uh, Henry Sturgis, the kind vampire that taught Abraham Lincoln how to defeat vampires. I mean, how lucky was that encounter? I don't – I mean, to talk about good timing. That was great. And and a man whose life was riddled by bad timing, at one point he he did have good timing. You know, imagine George Washington commanding an army of Abraham Lincoln vampire hunters. Wow. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's that's craziness right there. See, Ray, I can play that game, too. But seriously, uh, Mary Todd, how did you like the play? <laughs> uh, Tommy, I wish you all the best on your journey Thank you. becoming the uh, king of Rochester. I Appreciate think you that. will be a benevolent uh, king. You yes. will treat uh, the citizens of that fair town very well. You, you just you come out and you just bring your A game to the Who Would Win show. Tonight was another example of why you're like such a favorite amongst the fans. Well, um, my and you're pleasure. definitely a favorite of mine. Just putting that well, out there. Good. I mean. You are lovely, is what I'm trying to say here. I appreciate that very much, and right back at you. And Ray, I I know that we're in a rut right now. I know we're in a rough patch, 
but you know I love you, and you know that that we're just another few months away from 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 another one of these episodes, and it's a new day. It's a clean slate. You know, one thing about me is I always give you a clean slate. I don't bring old grievances from old episodes in. So, whatever our next battle is, I I want you to know you you get nothing but a fair trial from me. Tommy, I would say, for the record, it is impossible to stay mad at you, but it is not impossible <laughs> to be mad at you. No, no, So no. I'm going to go ahead and keep this with me for a little while, if you don't <laughs> okay. mind. Fair enough. <laughs> Ray, Ray, I got to tell you, you, you threw me for a loop. You, 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 you had me on the ropes for a while. I had no idea. <laughs> this was something you were going to do. And um, is this what I can expect in the future? Do I need to keep planning for battles like this? James, I would be ashamed of you and disappointed in you if you didn't. Mm. And there you mm. have it, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I got to tell you, this was a, a great matchup. And, Ray, you brought it. And, um, you know, ever since that first day we had that first match in uh, Hamburger Habit, you know, that fancy restaurant, Woodland Hills, mm. uh, where we electrified the the group of people who were there during their lunch hour. It's true. Um, you know, you, you have never not brought your A-game. You've been fantastic all the way through. And even though I won today's matchup, I feel like I would have won that matchup if it had continued to hamburger habit is all I wanted to say. So, uh, Tommy, with that being said, please tell everyone where uh, they can find you. You can find me on all social media at Tommy Bechtold. At Tommy Bechtold. <laughs> Very cool. Hmm. Uh, Ray, give yourself a hug. Please tell our listeners where they can find you. Well, you can find me, of course, uh, at Almighty Ray on Twitter. Hashtag Ray was robbed. Guys, you heard what happened here. Hashtag Awkward Allies. Talking to only you right now. Uh, the true the true fans of Hashtag <laughs> Ray is right. You saw what happened. You saw my dynamic electrifying, utterly over the top and delightful point number three. And you heard, James, you know, I'm glad you prepped uh, Abraham Vampire Hunter. Uh, I, I wish you hadn't, but you did because you're a prepared combatant in these who would win battles. So, James, I tip my hat to you in that regard, despite the fact that obviously the wrong decision was made today. I got to tell you, Ray, you bring out the best of me like no one else. So uh, that that's that's something, mm. right? That's like worth its weight in Carvel ice cream. Maybe Probably we should work out uh, the whale, bringing yeah. out the uh, lesser in you going forward. Maybe mm. we could give that a go some point. Sure, we'll give I'm that a shot. I'm having to work so hard, James. <laughs> Me too. It goes great. Seriously, it goes both ways. But mm. I, you know what? We wouldn't be us if we didn't try like that, like like uh, research like crazy. Mm. Um, sure. All right, very cool, Ray. Well done again. Uh, hard matchup. It took me everywhere, but uh, it was fun. Uh, you can find me, by the way, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavsey. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and where else you go for your podcasts. And check out the Who Would Win website at www.whowouldwinshow.com to access all of our past podcast episodes. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win team, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Oh, 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash show right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.